New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us today as we continue to read through the book of Exodus. My name is Greg Freeman, and I have the privilege of serving as executive pastor here at New Vision. Today we'll be in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Moses said, A staff. And the Lord said to him, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they, may, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground." But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Verse 13. But Moses said, O my Lord, place on someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and he will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs." That continues to amaze me how alive and relevant God's Word is. And it continues to challenge and encourage me when I see so much of my own weakness and the heroes of the faith, uh, just like Moses. And we see a lot of Moses' weakness in these verses. Now, in chapter 3, we saw God explaining to Moses his plan for saving the Israelites, his covenant people. And as we get into these verses in chapter 4, Moses is actually beginning to push back. He's fearful. He feels inadequate. He's looking at his role through his human eyes. In verse 1, he tells the Lord, they won't listen to me. Now, the truth is, he's right. Pharaoh didn't believe Moses at first, and even the nation of Israel often didn't listen to Moses all along the way. But that really wasn't what's, uh, what's at play in these verses. Moses' real problem here was that he did not believe uh, himself what God was telling him. So in response to Moses' concern, uh, that the Egyptians wouldn't listen, God gave him three pretty amazing demonstrations of God's power. We saw he turned Moses' staff into a serpent, 
and then back into a staff. That's something to see. He turned his hand leprous and then healed it. And remember, in the time, leprosy was a clear sign of, of sin and, uh, and ultimately death. So that's a pretty, pretty serious uh, something to happen. Then God said, if neither of those are enough to convince them, just take some water from the Nile, pour it onto the ground, and watch it become blood. Now, we know that God wastes nothing. So it's worth taking just a few minutes to talk about, uh, you know, really some of the importance of these three signs. And first, notice that God used Moses' ability. It's an ability that God gave him. Moses was a shepherd. You know, as a shepherd, he would have been very comfortable with the staff. He had the staff with him. Remember, Moses was tending to his flock when God approached him in chapter 3. So God used what Moses already had in his hand in order to serve himself. And God does the same thing with us. And that's something for, really important for us to keep in mind. Whatever God has equipped you with, whether it's for your job or for your hobbies or for your passions, he does so for it to be used to, to serve him and to glorify him. If we don't use what he's gifted us with uh, for his purposes, then, then we're wasting it. Next, we see that God gave Moses a story. All of us have a story. Some of them are, are good and some of them are, are not good, but they're all the story that God gave us. And they all have ugly and they all have pretty. And if you are a believer, then you have the beauty of redemption. But God gave Moses a story. In this story, he, he turned his hand leprous. Well, that's a heck of a story. That's a very personal story. Um, so he had a chance to share that story. Now, last but not least, Moses gave God authority. Outside of God's authority, none of us can turn water into blood, right? And outside of God's authority, neither could Moses. But as part of equipping Moses to do what he was being called to do, as part of fulfilling God's plan, God gave Moses the authority to turn water into blood as a sign to the Egyptians. Now, interestingly, just as Moses was concerned, the Egyptians wouldn't believe him when he was to be God's spokesman. Uh, Moses was the same way. He struggled to believe God. It was the exact same thing. In verse 10, Moses begins to make another excuse. Uh, this time he's saying, I can't be an eloquent speaker. I am slow of speech and of tongue, Moses tells God, which is kind of funny, almost like God didn't know that. Just trying to make you aware. Moses ups the ante in verse 13, saying, can someone else be sent? Kind of sounds whiny, doesn't it? And this time God reacts strongly. Verse 14 says, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now, that's really not a place where you want to be with the Lord's anger kindled against you. That's certainly not a place where I want to be. But before we're too quick to criticize Moses in this moment, isn't it exactly where we find ourselves pretty regularly? When we're challenged to obey God and serve him, don't we often find the exact same excuses? God, I don't have the ability to do what you're asking me to do. God, I don't have the authority to do what you're asking me to do. God, no one's going to listen to me. I don't know what to say. How about this one, when we're challenged to share the gospel? God, I don't have all the answers. What if I can't answer all the questions? Now, that may not sound like you today, but I have to admit, if I'm honest with myself, I hear myself in those phrases. But here's the thing. When we step out in obedience to serve God in the way in which he calls us to, he gives each of us ability, a story, and authority. That's going to look likely very different from what Moses was given. But the fact remains we will be equipped by God. In fact, we already are equipped by God. If you're a believer listening to this, you have something that Moses didn't, and that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that really should embolden us as we choose, as we make that conscious decision to answer what God's calling us to. 
But here's what I think is the most encouraging part of this section of scripture, of these verses. The Lord equipped Moses and he got angry with Moses. We saw that in verse 14 when Moses balked, but the Lord never walked away from him. He never walked away. In fact, he just kept providing for Moses. He provided Aaron, who was going to be Moses' designated mouthpiece. Now, it would have been easy for God to turn away and find somebody else to fulfill his plan for Israel, right? It didn't have to be Moses. It could be somebody else. Moses had already killed somebody. But God cares more about his children, about growing his children, than he does efficiency. He's less focused on getting from point A to point B and more focused on how do we bring people along with us as we go down that path. Now, remember, God wasn't surprised by Moses' reluctance. He knew it was going to come. In fact, he used it. He used it for Moses to continue to develop as a leader and to grow his own faith. He used it for the nation of Israel as Moses regularly interceded with God on their behalf when they misbehaved. He used it for for the nation of Israel uh, when he uh, used Moses to lead them to the promised land, even though Moses didn't get a chance to go to the promised land. He uses it for our benefit thousands of years later. So in these two chapters of Exodus, Exodus we're, uh, we're blessed to see how Moses, a hero of the faith, right, wrestled with his own human weakness, but how God's love and patience overcame it. And that's an important thing, but God. But God overcame Moses' reluctance. Matthew Henry, the commentator, wrote, God sometimes makes, makes choice of those as his messengers who have the least of the advantages of art and nature, that his grace in them may appear the more glorious. Christ's disciples were no orators till the Holy Spirit made them such. Now, I love that phrase, that his grace in them may appear the more glorious. Think back to some of the, some of the more compelling stories uh, throughout the course of both the Old and the New Testaments. Think of some of those people. Abraham lied, but was the father of many nations. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Uh, turned out to be one of the best kings in Israel and uh, in, in the lineage of Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times, but he was the rock upon which the church was built. James and John, the sons of thunder, were on a power trip. They wanted special roles in the kingdom, but God used them. Paul killed Christians, and these are pretty flawed people. But in all of that, God's grace appears all the more glorious. If God just used perfect people, if they even existed, then how hard is that for us to say we can be good as well. We can, we can accomplish what God's called us to as well. So God's grace appears all the more glorious by using these flawed people, just like he uses uh, us. I don't know about you, but anything that's good in me is completely and totally a result of God's grace alone. And today, knowing that we have access to this grace, we should be encouraged to search ourselves, search our hearts, and to make sure that we're not shrinking from what it is that God has called us to. Thanks for listening, and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.